Good afternoon there, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Travel and Sip. My name's Kieran, and I'm joined here by my good friend, Ingrid, and we're here to give you a taste of the world. Um, today, we are off to uh, a very, very um, special place, I think, for, for both of us, somewhere we've been recently uh, in Spain, um, and not just a region, I guess, this time, Ingrid, are we? We're, um, we're going to cover a little bit of Spain in this particular episode. Um, but as always, we're, we're venturing into this region and having a little bit of a sip along the way. Um, so, Ingrid, I might start off by asking you, what are you having a sip of this afternoon? Yes, Kieran. So uh, this afternoon, of course, I've gone with a classic Rioja, which is from the uh-huh. north region of Spain. So Rioja uh, uses Tempranillo grapes. Um, so that's something that probably most people have heard of before, it's a little bit like the Chianti uh, of Italy, I guess, yep. uh, in terms of yes. regions. Uh, and I do love Tempranillo. So I have found this one from the little uh, local bottle shop around me and I have drunk this wine quite a few times before as well, so I already know it's delicious. Cool. And excellent. Well, look, I need to start talking. Oh, we seem to have Can you hear me, Karen? I can, yeah. Your audio cut out. Okay. Do you want to stop and start again? Yeah, I have, yeah. I think. Still says live in the top. We're back there. We can always edit these things, can't we? I don't know if um, we've got anyone watching just yet. <laughs> anyway, that's um, that's one. Okay. Hey, yeah. <laughs> one of the joys. Nothing about the wine you're drinking. So tell me. <laughs> Good. Well, I was going to say that um, just while I try and fix this up, I uh, I too I think we sh- we should probably start talking because uh, I too am drinking a Rioja today, and. Um, <laughs> the the thing with it is that generally I just get my, an Aldi Rioja, but um, and that's probably where I first came across Rioja. But certainly on a trip last year to Spain, um, we drank a lot of it, and that kind of just seems like the um, the drink of of choice. Uh, did you start drinking Rioja in Spain prior to that? Um, yeah, no, probably I probably discovered it the first time I went to Spain. Um, and that was probably early on when I started really enjoying some nicer wines as well. So my first time in Spain was back in 2003. Um, yeah. So I've been to 
Europe a couple of times before then, but never made it south to Spain. So that was my first time there. And I only went to Barcelona on that trip. But I do remember having some uh, some Tempranillo and Rioja there. And that was I think, my first time I'd ever had a Tempranillo. So I'd never actually tasted that grape before and quickly developed a love of it and have not stopped since. So it's definitely Well, there you fair. go. Mm, yeah. So, um, so 2003, what took you to Spain on that occasion? Why were you there? Um, on that trip, actually took some time out, uh, had university break, so perfect time. You've, you've got a few months off, so took about 10 weeks and went travelling through Europe, a yep. bit of a backpacking trip it was. Uh, so decided to hit up all the probably major hotspots, I suppose, of Europe, and that was where Barcelona came in. So this photo here is uh, of the Sagrada Familia, which is the famous cathedral in Barcelona, which has been, uh, you probably know more history about it, I'm going to guess, Kieran, than me in terms of the specifics. Uh, but it has been being built for centuries, literally, I think. It's, it's a, it's a yeah. long, long time. It's still scheduled for another is it 10 or 20 years before the event? It's about that. They're, they're, they're not too far away, Ingrid, I think. Uh, we were there last year and got the story. At, um, it's it's Gaudi, obviously, is, is, is yeah. the, uh, the architect of this one. And uh, it actually commenced probably in the late 19th century, early 20th century. So it's certainly over 100 years now. I think they might have actually just had the 100th anniversary not too long ago of the the starting of it. And, um, and it's really an intense piece of work. that You'll see nothing like it anywhere. In the world, yeah. really, it's um, it's quite incredible, isn't it? And um, my two, my my first trip to Barcelona was two thousand and two. Probably was a similar stage. I've got actually got um, got the photo there from two thousand and two before the digital age, Ingrid, and ah, um, nice. you can see it was still um, still not as colourful as you know. Going last year, there was all this um, colour and there's there's all these fruit things on top of it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, it's uh, but yeah, it's due to for completion before too long, really. Relatively speaking, I mean, normally a building is um you know before too long means a couple of months but this one is you know a couple of decades and they're nearly there so um so not too not too far away so um so barcelona was your first your first port um it was, yeah so it was my first city i ever went to in spain and um to be honest the first couple of times i went to spain i only really made it as far as barcelona uh yeah. and fell in love with the city the first time i went so i loved the the Gothic architecture. I love Gaudi's um, really unique architecture. I loved wandering the cities. I loved the food, the people, the wine, uh, the music, everything. Is about. there anything you? Is there anything you didn't love, Ingrid? Um, do you know what Barcelona? Uh, to be honest, has a pretty uh, strong attraction for pickpocketers. So yes, uh -huh. I'm going to say that the. The number of thefts that can happen with tourists who aren't cautious of what they are doing uh, in Barcelona is enormous, particularly in big crowds. I remember uh, getting almost pickpocketed by someone uh, when we were leaving the Magic Fountain show. So that's, again, oh, yeah. just outside the main part of the city and happens every night and basically the, the fountain dances with water and music and everything and it's a beautiful display and and the crowds leave and it's all tourists and it's a perfect, yep. perfect place. I mean, lots of places in the world can be like that as well, but Barcelona is particularly bad for it um, and you do have to be a little bit careful. So that's probably one thing, I, yeah. I guess. 
really highly skilled. Yes, they're highly they skilled. Are, yeah. Highly skilled people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Professional. Excellent. So, and certainly, I think walking down La Rumblas is um, is kind of an experience in itself, isn't it? Uh, and uh, you get you, people certainly don't ignore you. I think walking down La Rumblas, you sort of um, you don't really meld into the crowd. You you, um, you get to interact with a lot of interesting people. I think is probably my absolutely. my memory. <laughs> The buskers. I actually remember the first time I went to Barcelona, the buskers on La Rambla. Yeah. just amazing. Just so many performers doing different things. So everything from music to dance to um, tricks, like magic tricks, um, everything, like anything you could think of, you know, people in costume. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. It's such such an incredible, eclectic um, mix of people in one street. So, Indeed. yeah. And obviously as well so yeah and so moving moving on from barcelona the next time i remember you had a trip there ingrid where you might have got a little bit um down and dirty was that uh at la tomatina (laughs) (laughs) when was that do you have any photos of this because i I haven't seen any but um no i don't there is no photographic evidence uh because (laughs) they actually pre-warned us so i did a bus about trip uh to la tomatina actually and they pre-warned us that we probably shouldn't bring a camera. Yep. Uh, and it was very early on in uh, digital camera days anyway. So it was 2000, um, 2000 and I can't remember actually. But anyway, so I think we only had like a big, we might have had a big SLR uh, with us and so we didn't want to get it damaged. So yep. uh, we chose not to, to take it, which meant no photo photographic evidence. But it was wild. It's crazy. Uh, unlike yeah, anything right. I have ever been involved in, uh, crowd standing there for hours. You have to get the hours beforehand before it actually goes live, and you're all just standing around waiting. And then all of a sudden, these trucks come through, push their way through this crowd, and mm. just start throwing tomatoes at you. And crazy. it's crazy. And then picking up tomatoes and throwing at people. And the and the, the key is that they always they tell you, you know, you have to squish them partly before you throw them. So obviously um, trying to avoid anyone getting actually hurt by a tomato and yeah. they're quite right <laughs> as well. So yeah. they, they do actually give pretty solid instructions on you must do this, you must not do this um, before you start. Um, so yeah, it's it's good fun. It's good fun. It's a good crazy fight. And then afterwards, you're walking around town asking people to spray you off with hoses. So all the locals are out there with their hoses spraying yeah, right. you off, and you get euros for cleaning you because your bus won't let you back in to go back into Valencia afterwards if you're not clean. Yeah, it's like no go. You need to be clean and clean clothes. So that was the key. We had to make sure that we had <laughs> clean dry clothes in a backpack with yeah. us to be able. Like plastic bag as well to be able to actually put on afterwards as well. So yeah, so, good fun so it was in um and it's in Valencia. So tell us a bit more about it. Did you, did you get much of the story behind it, where it comes from and uh, what the whole point of it is? I I, I feel like uh, there's a lot of religious festivals that happen in Spain. Um, is it a religious festival or what? What's the point of it? I actually can't remember. Is that terrible? <laughs> <laughs> you just remember the tomatoes. I just remember the tomatoes. I remember as well there's a ham on the pole at the start. When you're young, you're in your early 20s, you don't really think about what what else, what's the real reason behind it. It's just fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it's religious though. I, have a, I don't okay. think it's a religious festival. I don't think that's where it comes from. Uh, I don't recall that being part of the story. And I'm sure my bus about to a leader would be deeply disappointed in me that I don't recall. <laughs> that you don't remember their spiel. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yeah. Correct. Fair enough. So, <laughs> so that sounds like a little bit of a that's a Sorry. Yeah, right. Okay, that's yeah. all right. Um, but it sounds like that was kind of like your your wild time in Spain. But you've been there a bit more recently. Um, I've got some photos, I think, from this trip. If you can tell us a little bit more about um, about this one, Ingrid. So where have we got here? Yeah, so that one's in uh, Palma, Palma de Mallorca, so on Mallorca Island uh, in Spain. So and that's another one from the same uh, same city, so the capital of Mallorca. Uh, so Mallorca's actually surprised me, to be honest. So I actually ended up there doing something I have never done before, which is be on a cruise. So okay. uh, I actually was on a cruise with a group uh, for work. So I was actually taking, uh, being working in the travel industry. Uh, as we know, Kieran, you sometimes take groups of travel agents away to show them around uh, different places. We call them familles, so familiarisation yep. groups. And this one was a mill uh, that I was hosting. So I was hosting it together. I joined together with a cruise line. So we actually did a part rail and part cruise trip uh, around the around France and then the Mediterranean Sea. So this was one of the stops on the cruise. Uh, and it was beautiful, actually. Palma really surprised me. Mallorca wasn't somewhere that I guess I'd ever really thought about visiting before, but I really enjoyed the day sort of wandering around the city there. Really beautiful. They had a beer festival on the day we were there, pure coincidence. And I do enjoy a good beer as well. So <laughs> Don't we know that. Yeah. Yeah. We could have done we could have done beers instead of riocas today, surely, but um, cool. or some cerveza. Yeah. Huh? Yes, yes. But I can't but, go past uh, good company. Uh -huh. But you you mentioned there the trains, Ingrid, and um, and Spain Spanish trains are they're pretty good, aren't they? I mean they um that you can get Barcelona to Madrid in something like three, three and a half hours. You can even get up yeah. to Paris in about six and a half. Um I've done that one myself and it's a it's a beautiful trip. But uh, but one of the countries that uh, very early on had high-speed rail, I think, um, Spain. And, it, you know, I always think of that map of Spain and getting around. Everything kind of goes through Madrid. It's like this um, bicycle wheel with spokes, you know, spray, spraying out everywhere. So if you want to get from one side to the other, you always yeah. go through Madrid. And, um, you know, but the, train, the trains there are, are awesome. Have you travelled any other way in, in Spain yourself besides the um, cruises? Well? Yeah, not really, to be honest. Basically, all of my travel in Spain has always been by train. So yeah. everywhere I've gone in Spain, I've pretty much always got around by train. So I think I've got another couple of photos there, um, Karen, of uh, my some of my travels in Spain of how I got around on the trains. So this uh, photo here is a shot of the outside walls of Cordoba, uh, okay. which is an incredible uh, old city in sort of central uh, Spain, not not that far from Madrid, but again can be easily accessed as a day trip from Madrid or if you're travelling from Madrid onto Seville or something like that, uh, you can stop on the way. So this is uh, me in Seville uh, as well, which is a beautiful city. I really love Seville, uh, home of flamenco dancing uh, and the beautiful plaza in, in the main area of Seville there as well. And this was another uh, trip I was lucky enough to take a group of travel agents to. Um, so we we took the trains all the way uh, around Spain, everywhere we went. So Barcelona, Madrid, Cordoba and Seville, uh, we did on that particular trip. Uh, and this one's us in, in Madrid. So this is right down near the Royal Palaces of Madrid. Uh, yeah. And absolutely beautiful city as well. I think it was my first time in Madrid actually on that trip and that was in 2016. Uh, so not that long ago, and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was 
a fantastic city and has a lot to offer that I think people, sometimes Australians, can overlook Madrid in preference for Barcelona. Um, And what I always have loved Barcelona and love visiting Barcelona, I do feel like it's actually really nice to get to Madrid sometimes where there's probably a few less uh, tourists and it's a little bit less hectic uh, and more like a true, you get that true taste of what a big Spanish city is like, whereas I think sometimes you get caught up in Barcelona and the tourist areas. So, oh, no doubt. Absolutely. I think my, my first impressions of Madrid was just this big hot city and uh, not a lot going on. You know, spending a couple of days there last year, it, uh, it really is a beautiful place and, and great food and great beer and, you know, it's just a yeah. magnificent place. But, um, but yeah, definitely that, underrated. That sample of, like, how the local people live, like the markets there and everybody's sitting, you know, I remember going to this huge big food hall that they have there. It was literally we were the only tourists in it uh, yeah. and we were travelling with the Spanish tourist office. So, you know, they told us about it and we went into this food hall we got got to sample all from these different food um, yeah. places and then sit upstairs overlooking, like, this beautiful old building overlooking everybody below us and it was amazing. Just experiences like that, I think, um, are really special when you're travelling. So Beautiful. And um, San Sebastian. So this photo here is uh, the beautiful northern coastal town of San Sebastian. Uh, which I think a lot of people, you know, San Sebastian think of uh, famous, you know, tapas, food and wine, yeah. uh, incredible place to visit, uh, to eat and drink, but also has these amazing beaches and is essentially a great place to actually go and have a walk along the beach as well. So when I was there, it was actually, uh, I think it was late May and you can see beautiful blue skies and nobody around. Right? Like it's right? just yeah. So um, amazing, you, you know, so you're slightly on the off-season rather than in the middle yeah. of summer and you're still going to get gorgeous weather but you just don't get the, the crowds that, you, that you'll get at the height of peak season. Yeah, unbelievable. Mm. It's um, one place I haven't been but, uh, but you know, if, definitely if you're a foodie, it's kind of the place to go, isn't it? That's, um, yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we went to a couple of Michelin-star restaurants uh, when we were there as well, mm-hmm. so that was big thing um, as part of that trip was going and checking out some of those really, really top quality restaurants, but also the just the, the little local tapas bars. So got a whole heap of recommendations um, from different people who had been there before, a couple of Spanish people that we knew and actually asking them and going, well, where should we go? What should we do? Um, you know, where should we eat? And getting those yep. those recommendations from locals as well. But, Perfect. Yeah, definitely Sounds amazing. Oh, I'm, I'm getting hungry, Ingrid. And um yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly. Well, I think eating is kind of the kind of the theme that I found last year. We we were there um, this time last year, June last year, and uh, and really, I think by main my memory is just eating and drinking a lot. Like we um, we started off in Madrid, and we actually did a, a tour with G Adventures, and um, and it was a great way to do it. I think because um, in my travels, I've been a couple of times before, but really, I need a Barcelona. Um, and really trying to venture out, uh, it was great to just have all that sort of stuff organised and not have to worry about it. You can just take in the sites and, you know, and G-Adventure's a pretty good company and, and a good mix of Aussies and um, Canadians and, and Brits and, and um, a couple of Americans, I think, as well. So it was um, a really good bunch of people, a bit older, um, a few young'uns. There was another G-Adventure's group that was going at the same time as us and they were filled with 18 and 19-year-olds and they were a little bit wilder than we were, but, um, but ours oh, ranged from sort of... 
<laughs> they did. They did a split. Yeah, yeah. So we went from we were sort of mid twenties up until you know some in their sixties and seventies um, on in our group as well. But um, but really good bunch. Um, and our trip, we we um, started in in Madrid, but then went down to uh, Andalusia. So we've got some, I've got some pictures here just of uh, Andalusia, and that's really I guess the home of of um, Moorish Spain. And uh, you get this real mix of um, of this kind of Islamic art. Uh, yeah. And and mixed in with that sort of Spanish culture, and it's uh, it's just a wonderful a wonderful place, um, and really different and just eye catching, and certainly the Alhambra here in uh, in Granada is a you know one that you can't really miss, um, sort of yeah, this beautiful. Oh. Mm. Yeah, do you know the other thing I found about Granada as well is it's probably the place that I could go the most because um, you have this afternoon nap every day, uh, so you get up, you have a breakfast. Then you have some um, tapas and then you have a nap and then you get up again and you have lunch and then you have maybe another nap perhaps and then you have dinner and, oh, it's just amazing. And, you know, Granada, when you're talking tapas, Ingrid, Granada yeah. is the one place really where you still get um, free tapas with every drink. So if you've got beer or wine uh, in Granada, you'll get tapas with that. Um, in other places you pay extra and all that sort of stuff. But Granada is still the old school style and um, – uh, yeah, it was, it's something that really you know you can you can get used to pretty quickly. Absolutely. So that was uh, so that was Granada, and then um, oh, it's beautiful, just magnificent. We had wonderful weather um, while we were there as well, and uh, and here is some of the tapas we enjoyed. So I think when you go to Spain, like eating and drinking is some churros. Yeah. Beautiful, and um, and as you mentioned, we we ended up in Seville with a with a flamenco show and. The thing is, like, even though these places in Andalusia, so Seville, Cordoba, Granada, they're so very close to each other, they all have very distinct ways of doing things. So the flamenco show um, in Seville is very different to one you'll find in Cordoba or in Granada, um, you know, but but they've all got their, and the tapas and, and, and the wine probably even, you know, is all different. So you get these different experiences all in a very um, short space of time. So yeah. um, it's like so, eating paella as well isn't it it's different in every yeah. city in spain how they serve paella like i think it's traditionally uh from valencia i think is, yeah. is where it originally came from and served with with rabbit there whereas you go okay. to some other places like you get to i think barcelona and they love to put seafood in there in the paella and and they're very much focused around that that fish and and, and seafood element uh, more than the rabbit which is a traditional yeah. valencian um part of paella so yeah it depends depends where you are i guess it's I guess it's kind of, I don't know, it's a unique thing about a lot of European countries, isn't it, where they're so regionally focused and every city is so um, special in what it offers in terms of its cuisine and culture uh, that we really, you know, don't have as much of that difference, I think, uh, in Australia as what some other countries do. Uh, it's definitely something you notice, isn't it, in Spain. But, um, but talking about things you might not know, um, I've got, I just wanted to introduce, Ingrid, my top five things that you might not know about Spain. So see okay. how many of these you did know. Ooh. Question, okay. Ingrid, did you, did you know that there is a ski field in the south of Spain near Granada? No, I had no idea. So the Sierra Nevada ranges, which you can see from Granada, um, yep. they have skiing there all the way through to really May. Um, so you can go wow. there which is phenomenal because it gets 45, 46 degrees easily in Granada, yet um, just at the back you've got these wonderful ski fields that are there pretty wow. much until summer. 
Um, so, uh, so an interesting one that we found out last year. The second one, we talked a lot about Barcelona. The, the language, obviously, in Barcelona is, is uh, Catalan. Uh, and uh, it's something that uh, I guess is becoming more prominent because there's a bit of a, a movement to maybe get some independence there in Catalonia and those sort of things. But, um, but did you know that the Catalan language, though it's, you know, very similar to Spanish in a lot of ways, is actually very, very much closer to French and Italian in a lot of ways. Really? So particularly French in the grammar. And, uh, and the other thing you might not know is that Catalan is the official language of Andorra. Uh, you know, in between France and Spain there. Um, and it's the official language in, in a few parts of Italy as well. So, um, so something that is a little bit more wider than just Barcelona and Valencia and these sort of places. Wow. I had no clue. There you go. You're teaching me new now, things. I am. I've got a couple more to go. Did you know, Ingrid, that there were some Roman emperors that came from Spain, from Hispania? Can you tell me how many you think there might have been? Roman. And can you name? And can you name one? Oh my gosh! Quick question to that notice. Yeah. No, I can't name any, and I'm going to say <laughs> two. <laughs> You're very close. There's actually three, Ingrid, um, and probably two of the two of the more famous ones. So Trajan, probably arguably one of the greatest Roman emperors. Um, he was uh, from a little town just outside of Seville called. Uh, hang on, I've written this down somewhere. Where did I put it? It's called Italica. Uh, it's about 20 minutes outside of Seville. You can go and visit. I think they've got some archaeological discoveries there uh, and you can go and see Trajan's birthplace. But also one that everyone would know is Hadrian. Hadrian was from Hispania and also a little bit later on, probably the 300s, was Theodosius uh, as well. So Spain, very, very important part of the Roman Emperor due to its um, ferti the fertility of its soil, really. Um, and that brings me to the next one. Did you know, Ingrid, that Spain is the world's leading producer of olive oil? Is it really? It is. And by a long way too. It um, produces 1.5 million tonnes of olive oil each year. And just to put that into perspective for you, Italy and Greece would both produce around about 300,000. So it's about three times, no, what's that, five times more production of olives, olive oil than um, Italy and Greece, and, um, which is incredible. But if you, you know, travelling down from Madrid to Andalusia last year, Certainly, you do notice that it is rows and rows and rows and rows, as far as the eye can see, of yeah. olives, and um, yeah. just wow. phenomenal. Yeah, I had no um, idea. There you go. I always thought it was Greece. Well, there you are. They certainly love an olive in Greece and those Kalamata olives, but the Spanish olive—that's the one. To, that's the one that's leading. Um, and my final thing, which I've already mentioned, is that tapas in Granada—it comes with every drink, but uh, but this. Did you know, Ingrid, was by royal decree. Um, one of the kings, don't know which one, Philippe or something like that. Um, <laughs> I should probably should probably looked that up. But certainly they had a problem with drunkenness and uh, he said, by decree, when you serve some alcohol, you've got to serve something to eat with it. And that's why you see very few Spanish people drunk because they're just nibbling away while they drink their wine and beer. But, um, I love it. Uh, but that was by royal decree to stop public drunkenness. So a very good idea, I think, and probably something we could all take a listen from. Ingrid? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and on that note, well, I think we uh, we say farewell to Spain, don't we, for now? And uh, Well, for now. Drink well and travel often. Absolutely. And until next time. Until next time. <laughs>